Hello and welcome to the third season of the Future Banking Podcast. My name is René van Pelt and I'm the producer of this podcast. And today I will be discussing the past two years and the year coming ahead together with Kimberly Waldron, the host of the Future Banking Podcast. Before we start, I want to thank all of the guests that have partaken in the past two years. Most importantly, I want to thank Kimberly, who's done a wonderful job hosting the podcast. Really looking forward to working on the podcast in 2022 and that. Have fun. Can't believe we're into season three. Yeah, almost two years ago when we started. I just looked it up. It was in May, the first episode. It's gone well. We've had some um, some really good, I think, quite a diverse range of guests on. Obviously, Form 3 were great sponsors of the, the first se- season, or the first series, and provided some really great guests as well. Uh, but since then, organically, we've we've had quite a lot of, of good speakers at a broad range of topics, everything from sort of fraud prevention through to entering, you know, new markets with banking products from startups to established players. I even managed to sneak in the marketing episode at the yeah, end yeah. of last year. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, we started in during the COVID times, and I, I just this week I read through the, uh, the, the the titles of the episodes. It was very interesting. At that point, we said, "Well, we shouldn't discuss COVID in any of in or in every uh, episode." However, looking back as an historical uh, uh, thing, we would never have guessed that two years later we'd still be in the uh, in the COVID situation. So it's pretty interesting to see back or to, to listen back yeah. to these. Yeah, there's a few no-go areas, Brexit, <laughs> COVID, <laughs> don't talk about, but um, one has sort of passed and is still, well, still topical, but, you know, an inf- affecting business and fintech, but COVID is right up there still. Did we ever discuss Brexit? No, we didn't, right? No, I think, no, I think we touched on, on it very briefly on a couple of episodes. A couple of mine that um, really stand out, obviously the crypto one was great. I remember that most vividly also. Yeah, was it yourself, Julian, and Erica? Yeah, and uh, Asen, yeah, yeah. And oh yeah, of course, Asen. Yeah, it was great. We talked about how um would is it possible for sort of crypto to really merge out of a tradable asset into a viable currency? Do you think, as you're the expert, what do you think? Has anything changed in your opinion since we talked about it? We're sort of still a little bit up in the air. Well, I, I tend to be a little bit, um, how do you say, skeptic about the uh, uh, the claim that the goal of cryptocurrency is to be part of the financial industry. I think it's a technological uh, advancement and something that can be applied to almost any business uh, or, or any type of business as long as it's, um, how do you say, as long as it is profitable or, or, or uh, advantageous. Um we don't speak about will MySQL databases change the world of finance. And I think we shouldn't talk about this technology uh, that way. It, it, it like shifts the focus to the wrong, uh, um, to less important and less impactful uh, parts of cryptocurrency, which of course always leads to people thinking it's a great investment, spending their life savings on it and then uh, we go through the same cycle as we've did five times already now. Yeah. yeah, I guess. And then it, with the way you describe it, then it sounds a little bit dangerous or I guess we use the word risk. 
Yeah, yeah it becomes dangerous at, 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 at the moment that it's, uh, it becomes a hype when famous people, and it, this is something that's happened a lot of times, but it's very topical right now in the Netherlands. Famous people and influencers uh, can make a quick buck by, uh, by promoting anything. And then uh, when a hype like cryptocurrency comes up and people might, like my parents, they read in the papers that it, uh, it's worth a hundred times as much in a couple of years ago. Exactly the thing, same thing is going to happen when you introduce them to multi-level marketing or, or uh, tulips. Uh, how do you say tulip bulbs, uh, oh, yeah. which were also good in, in the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's one of the most um, talked about and volatile parts of financial services. And that's not changed since we spoke. Um, yeah. It's interesting to think about the impact influencers have in fintech. Because talking about influencers in fintech other than obviously people like our good friend Marcel, um, they're almost non-existent, but we have seen some, you know, fintechs venturing into the world of using influencers like Lannister, for example, is, you know, the digital bank that was sort of cornered by and reprimanded by the FCA for going full, full pelt on social media and trying to promote themselves. And in a way I was cheering them on because good for them that they're marketing to consumers in a way that consumers want to be marketed in um, and, and stepping out of the normal approach to, to financial services. But, you know, it, it proves that, you know, money and people's finances is something that still needs to be rooted in um, solid ground. Yeah, and of course, there's a very important distinction between influencers that uh, are an influencer within the industry. So, yeah, we could call them like business-to-business -business influencers. And the influencers that are focusing on consumers, because especially in fintech and financial, in the financial industry, you should look out what you're uh, uh, prescribing to uh, to consumers. Yeah. Not everything is legal everywhere. Uh, no, um, and I, I guess some of the the topics that we did, or the other topics that we covered last year, that are um, definitely stepping forward into 2023 are you know around financial inclusion where we spoke to to algebra um earlier on last year who were really raising that issue of um yes everybody talks about financial inclusion but who's really solving it uh, and that's still i think a good good question to be answered i think data um is a big going to be a big player in that something that we're hoping to cover i think in maybe episode two in, in 2023 is, you know, the application of data when sort of serving SMBs or SMEs particularly um, and understanding the nuances of their business, cash flow, credit worthiness in a way that's more appropriate. So I think financial inclusion for SM, SMBs is going to be a big topic in 2023. Oh, 2023. <laughs> I'm already it's putting 2022 behind us. <laughs> um, for 2022, um, so financial inclusion, but really talking about that for, for businesses and digital inclusion. And then em embedded finance. Um, we spoke to Alex Smith-Sud from, from Weaver and uh, Seb from um, Ben, the, the benefits um, fintech about embedded finance. And that's going to be something that I think we'll see continue. I think people still need to get their head a little bit around what that means. Okay. Embedded finance is a buzz term. Um but it's that idea, I think the more I learn about it, the more it's the idea of um, understanding that a lot of 
businesses were built backwards. So they were established and then tech evolves. And then you're bolting on your fintech options or your payment options or your, you know, your customer options or embedded finance. You know, that's when innovators are building um, more appropriate user interfaces and finance models from the beginning. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Embedded finance could be seen as a kind of decentralization, not in the same way as cryptocurrency. But no, I agree. It 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 makes it possible for companies to uh, have more specialized payment flows and 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 to do things regardless of financial uh, financial institutions. So yeah, I think it's gonna. The definition is still uh, uh, isn't finished yet. There's a uh, it, only afterwards we can say what the embedded finance uh, well, revolution or how would you say it yeah. really panned out. Yeah. Yeah. And another, I guess, another um, debate that's still raging, almost to say raging. That's a strong word. It's sort of burning quietly. Is that fintech as a disruptor to the banks or fintech or financial technology as a partner to the banks as a, an additional service as an improving service um trying to you know casting a mind back i think we spoke to uh, mark hartley from bankify um and um lily uh, metadieva from monio who were sort of offering more they don't shy away from the word fintech but they're more financial technology to support and improve the services offered by the banks or even sit in between the banks and customers. And that, I think, again, that's something that's going to continue. Well, is FinTech there to uproot? And do we want to see the end of the banks? Probably no. How will we, will we see more working together, more collaboration? Yeah, and the definitions and activities might shift a little bit. So uh, the, the, the companies that are now the big banks, I have no reason to think that they will uh, disappear. Just yeah. what do they do exactly if companies can uh, well implement their own payment rails? I mean, th- there's a shift, going to be a shift in what a bank is and, and how do how we define a bank apart from, of course, the license. Yeah, I think that's a really good good point. And I agree. I think um, the in my world, speaking to a lot of new businesses or businesses that are either you know self-funded and early stage or growing quickly and acquiring customers organically or or likewise going through big raises but still viable from the beginning they are the ones that uh, that work well as um in between the banks and the consumers or enhance the bank products or have a good relationship with existing financial institutions i would say yeah. i think that my, my only that's my observation but the, the businesses that are making traction are either you know the likes of fraud prevention businesses that are helping financial institutions and fintechs act safely or financial technology businesses that are creating something that complements the banks. I mean, we've um, recently been talking to a business called Bright Payments, who's um, headed up by a fantastic CEO, Lena, who previously at Klarna. And again, their product connects consumers with banks. You know, so that is, and they're getting amazing traction already. So maybe that's something that we'll be talking about at the end of next year is the the we talked we touched on that horrible word horrible word co-opetition can you say that again co-opetition so sort of banks 
friendly competition between banks and things. Oh, of course, yeah. I think I know a Dutch version of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's going to be those that working together as an, an industry to sort of improve the provision of financial services. Yeah, but um, because skill has historically always been very important in financial services. I have personally no reason to think that will change in any way because of technolo- technological innovation or anything. So uh, something has got to be happening there right either um, uh, acquisitions of uh, by the banks or or uh, new forms of corporation cooperation as you mentioned yeah. yeah you know one thing that we we touched upon really early days in season one where we spoke about sort of the journey of a, of a, of a fintech startup and we spoke about some to some really early stage founders and i'm pleased to Bible, say that Amish. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm happy to say that, like the likes of Trillo and Frost Money, they are still with us and they're progressing and they're growing and they're building really, really, really great products. What we didn't touch upon in that discussion too much was the impact of VCs on fintech. And I know that something that's starting to be discussed a lot is how positive is it that VCs are still throwing money? And this is a very broad stroke. That mm. VCs are sort of still jumping on that fintech train um, too quickly, almost you know, forcing growth through rounds, um, yep. forcing valuations, and and when a business, when a fintech is is growing for investors, are they still growing for the customers? Exactly. And uh, there's we, an there's an episode we need that that could be episode <laughs> episode three. Anybody wants to talk on that? Yeah, and it would also be great to have Pavel and Hamish back again, of course, because uh, as far as I understand, both of them uh, have been very actively raising funds in the last year. Yeah, those two years. I'm not sure when. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're having a hard time. Another another um, fintech uh, young founder who they've been around as well for a few years, but they're really going through that process of focusing in on their product while they're raising and balancing that messaging. Is is AppTap and Will from AppTap would be a great guest. I think maybe we'll call out Hamish, <laughs> Hamish Pavel, and Will. Would be great. <laughs> Open invitation, so we can yeah. check whether they listen or not. Yeah, that's true. And how how their VC journey sort of impacting their focus on product and people and, and customers. Um, it's also an interesting topic to uh, to maybe touch on this year. Uh, we mostly talk about startups and pre-IPO fintech companies. Uh, yeah. We have most data about IPO fintech companies, especially in the last year. A lot of the, the, the hyped up specs have happened and, and stuff like that. And right now we're in a, the, the, the deepest, how do you say, valley uh, of, the, of the chart. All yeah. of the index stocks are getting wow. crushed in the market. There's, uh, uh, well, there, I, I can't think of, uh, uh, of an example that didn't lose more than 10% in the last month at least. So um, it'd be interesting to... to, to hear somebody out on the, the the correlation between startup funding in fintech and uh, what's happening now in the uh, the public markets so i think you know open banking as well what uh, obviously a topic that um when Anne bowden recently you know raised her head and sort of said look it's, it's not worked you know we're four years in 2018 open banking um, psd2 was you know officially implemented uh, begin to be implemented I don't know if I agree with the fact that it's, um, you know, it's not working because we've seen so much innovation around that. And it's not as black and white as open banking isn't working. Is there innovation around it and outside of it? Yes. Is is there innovation within it? 
Definitely. So I think that it's great that somebody as high profile as I'm from Stalin has stood up and said, hang on, let's question this is great. But then I think it needs more debate. I think we need to look at, you know, what are the genuine success stories? What wouldn't have happened had we not pushed this through? Um, And then look at the opportunities, you know, to continue with the development of open banking and how has it benefited end users ultimately? Exactly. And and, uh, one important or or interesting uh, thing about open banking is whose job is this? I mean, what's on the roadmap and who's following the roadmap? Uh, As far as I understand, unification is the most important thing when it comes to open banking. Uh, and that's something that I've never heard a promise about unifying the banking platforms uh, overseas, for example. There's completely different definitions in different jurisdictions. And so maybe that's what Anne Bowden was referring to, I, because I would agree with that. However, um, I couldn't say it failed. Nobody's failed. It's nobody's job. There's maybe just no uh, real incentive for well, banks or platforms to uh, to open themselves up indefinitely or or, or infinitely is probably yeah. the better word. Yeah, I w- uh, yeah, and I, I would say that maybe uh, how to word it, it's almost the banks are benefiting from the innovation that's been inspired by the idea of open banking as opposed to using it themselves. So they're you know almost. Um, waiting for the innovation to happen around them and, and that's enhancing the products. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of financial technology businesses, like I said, don't want to be called fintechs, but they're they're directly using open banking to improve the things that banks weren't able to do before by working in partnership. So again, look at you know something we should probably look at. I think it'd be good to look at it really specifically. Um I guess that 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 takes us through a bit of a, a a memory lane through the first two years are there any topics that you know what's been your favorite episode and and what do you think might be missing from our agenda for next um, say well, for my, next year for this year now my favorite episodes were absolutely the first two for some reason i i, I really uh find it interesting to listen back to that the the the, the may you'll have to say that you'll have to say that again you're gonna you're gonna have to say it again okay Sorry. sure um, uh, your favorite episodes well my favorite episodes were uh, are still the first two episodes where uh, uh, when you listen back to them you can hear a lot of uncertainty about the the the, the whole COVID thing I think that's uh, uh, immensely interesting uh, as a historical uh, uh, archive yeah, yeah. I, I mean I don't know if there was I liked the CTO's challenge where we, we yeah, really talked about how you balance that um you know that tech development with sort of um compliance and uh regulation at the same time as you know being wanting to grow quickly and and improve customer marketing um and i think i liked the episode we did with um greg cox from um quinton and manevo and uh, Lana from, um, sorry, Hannah from um, Mina Technologies at the time, where we were really discussing that idea of the subscription model to live in, and um, how how lending could compete with with sort of new ways of paying for things, such as BMPL and, and subscription models. I found yeah, that that's- really cool. And I think it was Mark um, from FinTech Power Fifty joined. That I was almost like a general mediator. 
Yeah, that's a topic that has aged really well also. I mean, yeah. the subscription uh, 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 craze has, uh, has continued enormously. Um, yeah. I think but that would be an interesting topic to touch on again. Yeah. I'm really looking forward, I think, to having old guests back. That, uh, would yeah, be we should bring in, yeah, the, maybe, you know, sort of fit them in to various, <laughs> to the very one in each episode. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, you know, I'm really looking forward to what we've got in store now. I know this little preview is kicking us off. Uh, look back and preview is kicking us off to to season three, where we've already got some some great inbound sort of guest requests, and we've got some really big topics that we need to cover. As we said, from open banking to the role of VCs to um, sort of IPO businesses that are ready to IPO, the use of data, how we serve underserved SMBs. Um, there's going to be a lot to cover. And it's also worth mentioning, we're going to be trying to do some live or on the ground episodes this year. So we'll be at Money 2020 in Amsterdam for a start, which is obviously um, great because Renee and I'll be in the same in the same spot for once, which will yep. be we'll play. Maybe we'll even turn the cameras on. Exactly. An in-person recording. That's the first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, I, and I forgot, I did forget to mention that the, the one episode that I can't say um, wasn't my favorite because it, even though I'm biased, was the final one of 2021. So um, when we had Liz from the bank. Um, we are uh, focused one. Yeah, yeah. from Junie and, and Eric from, from Rival. It was great to actually just indulge a little bit and talk about not only what, what's being done, but how are the, is it the brands versus the banks? Is it the ones that are getting the marketing right, that are penetrating or are they just getting the funding? So I think it's some specialist subjects for next year as well. And I say keep saying next year, sorry. Some specialist subjects for this year as well would be great. We're really looking forward uh, to 2023. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, really looking forward to 2023. I'm not, not going yet. But looking forward to hearing um, from anybody that wants to take part as well. Um, can check out the contact details on the website or contact either Renee or I directly on email or, or via LinkedIn. 